1 John, we're going to be looking at verses 5 to 7. And a few phrases I just want to talk about before we begin this, this passage. Um, phrases that just don't make sense. We say them all the time. And you probably never thought that they don't make sense, but they really don't make sense. And if you're a foreigner and you've learned English, these really don't make sense. And if you go to another country and try to translate these, these really don't make sense at all. I mean, they don't translate. But let's look at a couple of the things that we like to say that um, just don't make any sense at all. How many of you said this one? I'm sweating like a pig. Now, here's a question. Do pigs sweat? No. They don't. So, and so why, why in the world do we use this phrase? I'm sweating like a pig. I mean, you ever think about it? I mean, this is just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't... No sweat. Oh, no sweat. <laughs> You've gone off just a little bit. You can tell he was in Texas. All right, here's a good one. It's raining cats and dogs. All right, now, now let, me, let me say this. If the weather gets really bad, it may rain a frog, right? But I've never seen it rain a cat or a dog. Has anybody ever had a cat or a dog come down from, you know, something? I got a joke I don't want to tell about a cat here because I may get in trouble. Just, some of you guys are cat lovers here, so let's go on. I'll be political. <laughs> but uh, raining cats and dogs here. How many are cat lovers? I just want to know what kind of church we have. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I know, yeah. Dogs, we'll go back. Here, talking about dogs, here we go. The dog days of summer. Where does that come from? You know, it's really the hot time of summer. We're in the dog days of summer. How do you translate that? Dog days of summer. It makes no sense to me. Here's another one. Uh, kick the bucket. Oh, that's a good one, huh? Do you know why people even use that phrase? I mean, it's like life like a bucket and you have water in it. Or some people say this came from Christian origins where people would die and they would put a bucket at their feet with the water there and uh, the holy water there. And part of it was, kick, I, I don't understand, kick the bucket. Maybe that, and then this is where we get our phrase, the bucket list, what's on your bucket list. And um, But that makes no sense at all, kick the bucket, because when we die, we're not kicking any bucket. Here's a good one. You want to wish somebody good luck, here's what you say, break a leg. Uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, that's not good luck. You know what I mean? But go out there and break a leg, kid. Um, really don't want to use that phrase. Uh, but you know why people do it? Because they're superstitious. They don't like to say good luck. Because they think if you say good luck, that means bad luck. So what they're going to say is break a leg. And to, to replace good luck, and, um, and, and people will get good luck there. It, it makes no sense. Here, here's a phrase that makes no sense at all. I, I'm, a, I'm a very religious person. That, that makes no sense. Um, people use it all the time. And you've, you've met them, you've talked to them, maybe that's who you are. But it's, it's a phrase that doesn't make any sense. When, when Ash Wednesday came this year, uh, we had a coaches meeting. And one of the coaches is Catholic. 
and he had the ashes on his head, you know, and I've done that. I was a, I was a Catholic, uh, you know, uh, altar boy, I had the ashes on my head, and we're with the coaches, and, and uh, we're sitting there, and we're having this meeting, and he's got the ashes on his head, and he's got his hat on, right? So you really couldn't see the ashes too much. Then he took his hat off, and one of the coaches goes, what happened to your head? <laughs> and then he goes, oh, wait a minute, it's Ash Wednesday. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then, and then the coach is talking to us, and he keeps, like, rubbing his head and getting the ashes on it. And every time he did it, he cursed God. So I said to him, because I couldn't hold back on this one. Yeah, yeah, sometimes I do restrain myself, and sometimes I kind of lose it, if you haven't noticed that. But anyway, he, he's rubbing his head, and he's cursing God. And he, oh, man, I can't believe it. I said, you're the only one I've ever met in my whole life that just went to get ashes and is cursing God a few moments later. And he looked at me, he was like, he knew I had him. <laughs> but this guy tells me all the time, Jeremy, I am a very religious person. What does that mean? What do you, what do, you do with somebody who tells you, yeah, I'm religious, I'm right with God, I, I have a relationship with God, I'm okay with God, but yet their lives have nothing to do with God or they'll curse God and they'll say all kinds of things about God. What do you, how, do you, how do you confront somebody like that? What do, you, what do you do to somebody like that? What do you do? What does John do? This is what makes this amazing, this passage, because he has people saying, you know, they're right with God, but they're really not right with God. And he starts off by talking about the very nature of God. That's a wonderful way. Look at verse 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. And so this is the message we have gotten from the Lord Jesus. And here's what we're going to announce. What's wonderful about the Bible is that you read the Bible and just preach the Bible. You don't have to make up things. You just say exactly what is there. And here's, here's the message they have. And he could have used so many different words to describe God. I was reading somewhere, it blew my mind. Do you know how many different titles there are for God in the Bible? Over 150. There's over 190 descriptions of God in the Bible. Different ones. He could have used so many complex words and been a great theologian and used all these words. But look what he does. He says, God is what? Light. <laughs> That's pretty simple. That even a kid can understand that. I mean, why does he talk? He doesn't say God is a light or God gives light. He said God is light. This is his character. This is his nature. This is who our God is. And interesting, you say, why light? Well, let me just tell you a couple of things about light. Light's a great metaphor for God because... It allows and sustains all of life. We know this. Without light, there is no life. There, we cannot have life. It won't sustain. We cannot sustain life. And just like without light, we can't sustain life on earth. Without God, there's no way to sustain spiritual life. He is the source of life. He is the source of all life. That's our God. But notice this too. Light also makes life far more pleasant and safer than living in the dark. I don't know about you, but I like sleeping with the light on. Am I the only uh, yeah. uh, You can laugh at me, but you didn't grow up with rats. I did. I grew up with cockroaches crawling in my mouth. I've been there. 
We had this one apartment my dad was living in. Rats, mice, cockroaches, everything. I'll never forget, I was trying to sleep so I wouldn't sleep on it. And the dogs did nothing to these things, by the way. That's why probably cats are better. But the dog, you know, they did nothing. And we had these little cockroaches that come up. I, mean, me, 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 me. I hate those things. So I need light at night. I need a little light on. I need to make sure that everything is a lot safer and much more pleasant. You know what the cops tell you to do about your houses, by the way? We had a cop come here. He said, you know what you need to do with your houses? You need to have on as many lights as you can at night. Have them on outside. Have the one in the back out. Have the one in the porch on. Have them on. Have the lights on. And so it makes it more pleasant, safer to live in. Here, look at this one. It reveals what is hidden. Light exposes things. We see things with lights on that we don't see in the dark. And we've all been there, stubbed our toe and different things. But the light will bring it out. And light will expose things. And really, light exposes things. And so, when he's calling God light, what is he saying here? He's saying this. He's saying, God is light. Go back to verse 5. And in him, we get a hint of what it means. In him, there is no darkness at all. And really, John loves to use these metaphors between light and darkness because he's going to talk the difference between truth and error, purity and immorality. And he's going to talk about the differences between light and dark. And really what it's saying is this. Our God is pure and there is nothing dirty in our God. Our God is holy and, and there's no unholiness in God. Our God is true. There's no lies with our God. He is totally holy, totally true, and totally pure. He is light, and there's no dark side to our God. I know some people like to watch Star Wars and, you know, come over to the dark side. There is no dark side with our God. In fact, one guy says it really well here. He says this, he said, this means that he is truth without falsehood, without error, without untruth, without deception. He is righteous, without sin, without evil, and without corruption. And John is talking to people, is saying they're right with God, and he's saying this, look, I want you to understand who God is. He is a holy God. He's a true and righteous God. There is no falsehood in him. There is no error. There is no untruth. There is no unrighteous. There is no corruption. There is no evil in our God. And he's going he's gonna to set us up. But before he does, I want you to notice something about us. Do we love the light? Look at what it says in John 3, 19 to 20. It says this. This is the judgment. That light has come into the world. And men, what? They love darkness. They love it. We have to be honest here. We all have a sin nature. And we all have the tendency to love sin more than we love God. And the world that does not know God loves darkness rather than the light. This week alone on our Facebook page, church Facebook page, this week alone... We had somebody put 666, which, you know, they'll put 666, but then we had somebody else put, uh, you need to come out, everyone needs to come out, be open, we need gay pride, we need this, we need that. They started posting on our Facebook, I haven't seen that, I know every now and then they do it, but they hate the light, hate it. They love dark, what do we expect for them to say, oh, thank you so much for having church services, we'll be praying for you. No, they hate it. 
They hate light. They love darkness. Why? Because their deeds are evil. And if they, they wanted to like the light, look what it says in verse 20. For everyone who does evil hates the light, does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So we have, to, we, have to be, we have to be humble here. The world without Christ hates light and we have a tendency because we're sinners to hate the light as well. So we have to be careful. But here's what he says here. He's going to use in verses 6 and on, and today we're only going to focus on verses 6 and 7. He's going to use three things that we tend to say with our mouths but not live with our lives. In verse 6, he says, if we say, and he's going to describe what it is, there's the claim. And then he's going to talk about a contradiction, and then he's going to come to a conclusion. In verse 8, which we'll get to next week, Lord willing, if we say something, he's going to talk about, then he's going to talk about the, the contradiction to it and the conclusion of where that can lead us. And then in verse 10, he uses the same phrase, if we say, and then we have the claim there, and then the contradiction, and then we have to figure out what is the conclusion of that right there. And here's what he's saying. Look at, look at verse, look at verse six again. Here, here it is. He goes, here's the claim. Light and darkness cannot exist. If we say we have fellowship with him, these are the people who are saying they're right with God. That they have an intimate relationship with God. That they share in his life. And, and share in his mission. And are close to him. They're claiming it with their mouths. Hey look, I have a good relationship with God. I am okay with God. I am the religious person. I have a relationship with God. I am sharing with his mission. They're claiming it with, his mouth, with their mouths. But, look at verse 6. They walk what? In darkness. And so they're claiming it with their mouths that they have a right relationship with God, but they're walking in darkness. Now, now don't miss this. This is not struggling with sin every now and then because that's a step in the wrong direction. That's a misstep. That's times we all do that. The word walk is very important in this passage and we need to understand it. The word walk, one guy describes it like this, is used to, uh, it, it, it says here, it's used in scripture to denote what we call one's lifestyle or way of life. It's in the present tense, which means we're continually walking like this. It is our lifestyle. It's not just a once, oh, I messed up here or I messed up there. No, it's, it's, a, it's our lives. It's, it's habitual. It says here, the one that's walking there in habitual characteristic behavior, their way of life was what? Dark. And so here's what he's saying here. People are saying that they have fellowship with God, that they're God, that they're, 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 they have communion with God, that they're with God, that they have a great relationship with God. But their lives are saying that they're not walking with God, that they're in doctrinal error. They don't understand who God is or what it means to have a relationship with God. They have doctrinal error in their lives and they have moral error in their lives. Here's what one person says well. These are the people that say, I have an intimate relationship with God. But at night, they're on their computers and looking at internet pornography all night. 
These are the people who say, I have a relationship with God, but then go home and degrade their wives, degrade their children, speak terrible to them, abuse them and physically or emotionally or verbally, but they have a relationship with God. These are the people that say, I have a relationship with God, but they, they don't even know who Jesus is or who cares who Jesus is or what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, but they say, yeah, I have a relationship with God. These are the people who say, I have an intimate relationship with God. I'm close to God, but yet destroy churches with their gossip, with their murmuring, with their complaining. These are the people who, from the mouth out, everything is okay. But their lives don't back up their words. He says, if we say we have communion with God and we're right with God and we have an intimate relationship with God, but our lifestyles say something different, something is wrong. Amen. Think about that for a moment. Think about that person. I'm a very religious person. I'm, I'm okay with God. Who's Jesus? Who cares who Jesus is? Well, I'm, a, I'm a very religious guy and, and, and degrading everyone around him and beating everyone up. Something's wrong. There's a contradiction in their behavior. And look what it says here in verse 6, going back to that. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we're lying. And, and, and let me just tell you this. We're lying to ourselves first. We're trying to convince ourselves. I, I gotta be right. I mean, I grew up in a church. I, I went to, I gotta be right with God. I just, I gotta be. We're trying to convince ourselves. We're, we're talking to ourselves. We're battling. I gotta be right with God. I got, and, and we're lying. We're lying to people. We're scared what they may think. And so when they ask us, so how is your relationship with God? Oh, it's fine. I'm doing great. I got a great relationship with God. We're lying to people and we're obviously lying to God. And, and here's what he says here. We walk in darkness. We're, we're lying. We're, we're, not, we're not practicing the truth. We're not doing the truth. We're saying it, but we're not doing it. And that's what matters to God. In fact, Worsby says something amazing here. This is amazing. It is possible for a believer to live in sin yet convince himself that everything is fine in his relationship to the Lord. Think about that. The person that tells you, I'm okay, I haven't touched my Bible in a week, I'm fine. Church, I don't go to that. Why am I going to go to that? Evangelize, I don't do that stuff. I don't want to be pushy on anybody. I'm okay, I'm all right. And they're trying to convince themselves when they're not. I'm so glad that John does not leave us there. Because I think that we all go through that in our lives. We try to convince ourselves that everything's okay when it's not. We're scared to tell other people that we're not doing okay for fear of what they may think of us. So we just put on this facade that everything's all right. And we're saying it, but we're not living it. So here's how he gives us the solution to that. Notice what he says in verse 7. He says this, But if we walk where? In the light. You know what he's saying here? He's saying follow Jesus. He's saying draw close to God by reading his word and praying. Walk with him in the light. 
Renounce that sin when it comes into your life. Don't, don't to try to hide it or, or put on a facade that everything's okay. It's okay to say to somebody, hey, I've sinned. Will you help me in this? Will you pray for me in this? It's okay. We're here not to condemn. We're here to help. I have people in my life. Dr. Newman called me last night. And I thought I was going to get off the phone with him before he asked me this question. So how are you? Ooh. Because he doesn't take just, I'm fine. He wants to know how Jeremy is. And he asked those questions. So he's saying here, walk in the light. And when we're walking in the light, how? As he himself is light. We let him to turn. So really what he's saying here is this. We need to think biblically and we need to act biblically. We need to think biblically, not think like the world, live like the world. We need to think what the Bible says, and we need to live what the Bible says. Amen. Walk in that light as he is light. Remember what it means that he is light, that he's all righteous and there's no untruth, that, that he's all pure and there's no unholiness. Walk like him. Walk out in the light. You say, what benefit do I have if I walk in the light? Well, <laughs> this is amazing. There are two amazing benefits here, and don't ever miss this. This can change your family life. It could change your church life. It could change everything. It, it affects everything. Watch this. But if we walk in the light as he himself is light, as we're getting into the word, as it's a habitual lifestyle, by the way, not sporadic, a habitual lifestyle of, 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 of communion with him and walking with him. Notice how this will affect us in verse 7. Watch this. The two amazing benefits. We have fellowship with who? Well, you would think that this verse would say, if you walk in light, you'll have a great relationship with God. But look what it says. If you walk in light... You will have a great relationship with who? The church. Let me just tell you something. Church is a strange place when you're walking in darkness. I mean, it bothers us that other people want to walk in light. It, it's a strange place to be around when other people tell you, hey, you know, what'd you read today? Or how's your, how's your Bible time? Or how's your prayer life this week? Or, or it, It's just amazing. I remember a guy in, in a church in Argentina, sweet guy. He would come every week without his wife. His wife wanted nothing to do with the church, nothing to do with God. It was amazing. He would come every week. He was so faithful. But he was miserable. Because he would go home and his wife would argue with him or his wife would do something because she hated the light, but he loved the light. Here's what's amazing. She got right with God. Now, he's a deacon in the church. Now, they both go together. Now, he, he is so different because his relationship with his wife is different because they are both now walking in light. Here's, what's, here's what happens in relationships. They break down because one wants to walk in light and one doesn't want to walk in light. And so parent against child, husband against wife, it's so hard because one wants to walk in light and the other doesn't want to walk in light. But here's what he says, walk in the light and your relationships with other people will improve with those who are walking in light as well. 
Our fellowship with one another will improve. It'll be sweet when we come together. Why? Because our priorities, our lives, what we want, what we hope for are the same things. We want Christ. We want people to get saved. We want the word of God to be preached. We come together. We have great fellowship because we love the Lord. But as we walk in darkness, there goes our fellowship. In fact, I can't even make this up. There's a pastor in New Jersey. We were going to go visit the church. It was me. I was going to go visit. I was raising money for Peru. And at the time, and never did get a meeting in a church, but I found out that one Wednesday night during a prayer meeting, this guy on the side was having a relationship with another man. That during a prayer meeting in church, he got up, and he walked out and he left his wife, the church he was pastoring, his children, and he went and lived with another man. Let me just tell you, when we walk in darkness, our fellowship is affected. Yes. And he just got up to the point and realized, I'm a hypocrite. I'm out of here. I can't deal with it. But here, that's the negative side. Want to hear the positive side? The more we walk in the light together, guess what? The sweeter our fellowship is. Yes. That, that, that people, we may not have other things in common. You guys are Avalanche fans, some of you. Amen. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't go together with Ranger fans. But guess what we do have in common? Jesus Christ. Yes. And it's sweet to be together in a church because we both love the Lord. No matter our teams. And so the fellowship comes with one another. And he says here, walk in light. Follow the Lord Jesus. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Follow me and you will not walk in darkness. We are following the Lord Jesus Christ. We're depending upon him. We're reading his word. We're praying. We're, we're thanking the Lord. We're looking at his power. We're trusting in his grace. But here's another amazing thing. Are we going to be perfect when we walk in the light? You better believe it or not. That's why this next phrase is absolutely amazing. It says the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. Because as we walk in the light, you know, you know, what's, you know what's amazing about this? Why doesn't John start off his epistle by saying God is love? He could have easily done it, right? Later on, he does in chapter four. We'll get there next year. But in chapter four, when we get there, you know, he talks about God is love. Why does he start his epistle off? He starts off with God is light. You want to know why he starts off with God is light? Because we need to come into his light and recognize that we are sinners in need of his grace to get saved. But here's a wonderful verse, and don't ever miss this. The blood of Jesus, and talking about the very death of Jesus, sin is no match for the blood of Jesus. No matter how deep, no matter how depraved, no matter whatever the sin may be, the blood of Jesus can cover that sin. And here's what's amazing. The blood of Jesus not only covers us when we get saved of all our sins, but as we're walking with God and we still sin, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us from sin. He's saying, walk in light. Follow the Lord. And as you follow the Lord, you may realize there's some things in your life that need to be changed. But hey, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. And here's what's amazing. It doesn't say it'll forgive you. 
It doesn't say it'll release you. It says it will cleanse you. Here's why. Because sin stains. Sin leaves its mark on us. Sin affects our fellowship with God. Not our relationship with Him. We have that because of Jesus. It affects our fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus, what does it do? It cleanses us from that sin. Praise God. Somebody says, Jeremy, I'm trying to walk in light. I'm following the Lord. But then I realize, hey, I was short with my wife this week. Well, what do you do with that? We'll find out next week. <laughs> Can't give you the punchline yet. There is a remedy for that. And it's not flowers. But here's the wonderful thought of it. Just like when we got saved and the very blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, as we walk with Him, that same blood cleanses us from all sin. So don't get discouraged to walk in the light. Don't, don't fear what others may think of you if you walk in the light. You're cleansed by the blood of Christ. He'll take care of you. So why say to somebody, I'm okay when you're not okay? Why, why lie to yourself? Why, why claim it when there's a contradiction? Why not just be open and honest about it and let the Lord take care of you? I pray that we continue to have, and I, I love this church. I love how we're transparent. I love how people are transparent here. I thank the Lord for that. You ask somebody how they are, you better sit down. They're going to tell you a little while. You got any time. This is not a perfect church in any way. And I praise God for that. But I do fear the tendency is that we can fear what others may think of us and claim that we're okay when we're not okay. And John says, don't go that route. Walk in the light. Follow the Lord. It'll enhance your fellowship with others. It won't hurt it. It'll enhance it. And not only that, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your sin. It's an amazing thought. Recently I had somebody say to me, you know what, if you want me to change, I'm going to leave God, I'm going to leave my family, I'm going to leave the church. That's the tendency of our sinful nature to do. But by God's grace, we can say, you know what, I need the Lord. This week I wasn't a great parent. Pray for me. Or this week, you could say to somebody, you know what, I was short with my kids. Will you pray for me? Or this week, I was short and I didn't do the right things. Pray for me. We can be open and honest with one another because we're going to walk in light together. What a wonderful, wonderful passage. And as we think of communion right now, I want us to take a moment and pray in our hearts and in our minds.